We know it's been a minute, but guess what, everybody? We're back. It's time for Kind of Funny's Scream in Review. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by It's Christmas in September, Joey Noel. It's so dumb that when you Google milk mom, the first four things are Kevin. And then it's like actual like breastfeeding things. You don't, you don't <laughs> have just to, feel bad. You don't have to bring that up. You don't have to bring that up. I also up. put a great picture in the Discord general for you all to experience. Because that's where I think the real origin's from. So yeah. sorry for disrailing this from the beginning, Tim. Oh no, my God. You got to love it. Me. Isn't it true, <laughs> producer slash producer Nick Scarpino? It is true. And Kevin was trying to awful that's on me like, I'm the milk mommy, but I do believe this is how it started. Uh, was that he took that picture and then someone photoshopped it into this, and now he's the milk mommy. And I do want to say that this is the kind of stuff we're putting into the world. It will not remember us fondly. No, it will not. But you know who I will always remember fondly? Both James and Elise Willems. How are you guys doing? Great. We were going to give... Uh, Kevin, a really cool new nickname, Kevlar. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, Milk Mommy comes from behind yeah, to take the lead once back. again. It rolls off the tongue, right? It like does, lac- it does. Lactose-filled phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> can, can Milk Mommy process lactose? I don't even know. I don't know. No, he can't. That's You'd be shocked part. to know that <laughs> Kevin Coelho, I have known him since I was four years old. And he, the entire time, has, in fact, been lactose intolerant. But that has not stopped him from loving milkshakes more than any other human being I have ever met. And I've once seen him. I want to say once just to, like, keep it keep it PG keep here. It nice, yeah. But I've once seen him down an entire two-gallon chocolate milk. It was <laughs> so wow. It was one gallon, Tim. It was one gallon. And I did it for science purposes. Someone said it was impossible. I proved them wrong. <laughs> well, hold on. The chocolate, the chocolate milk. I think you're you're talking about the milk gallon challenge, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. I th- is it the? I don't think chocolate milk qualifies scientifically. Something about what they add to the chocolate milk makes that the scientific reaction isn't going to take place. Mm-hmm. I know what you're referring mm-hmm. to because I also participated in said experiment. <laughs> Did you not, wait, were you not able to down the the milk? I was an observer. Uh, it was whole milk, and uh, and oh, neither yeah, participants. Yeah, Neither participants were able to complete the you task. You can't do cold. It's like within milk. ten minutes or something, right? Yeah, it's just so it's too much, too much milk, and the yeah. body thinks it's getting poisoned or something. I have to use the bathroom <laughs> just from listening to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I still feel pretty confident I could do it. Yeah, wait, I, I want some clarification here because I think I got something wrong. Is, is the big, the normal milk in the the plastic? Like container thing, the big one. That's one gallon. Okay, yeah. So it was one gallon, and yeah, and Kev took it down, but it wasn't in ten minutes. Like Kev had a whole day, but he did it. He did it. I did not. Tim, we were walking back from Seven Eleven. It was less than twenty minutes. Walking. You know what? Yeah, there's a lot here, (laughs) and I had a lot of mini donuts. They were very good. So much lore, so much Kevin lore. Wow, so much Kevin lore. <laughs> Gotta love Milk Dud, everybody. But whatever, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Scream in review, where each and every week we are going to rank and review the Scream movies. It's very, very exciting stuff. James and Lise will be joining us for all of them, and I am pleased to announce uh, that after this, we're going to take a short break to pop over back to the Venom in review universe, where we will rewatch Venom One to lead into get hyped for Venom. Let there be carnage. I can't wait. Perfect. Personally. Uh, and then after that, we're going to return with James and Elise for Halloween in review. Ooh. Chris Anka will be joining us for that as well. I'm very, very excited about that. We're getting spooky because it's spooky season. You can get the show on youtube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to get it as a podcast, just search your favorite podcast service for 
kind of funny in review and we'll be right there for you if you want to get the show ad free and if you want to watch live as we record it you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny just like our patreon producers molecule and the kind of funny destiny 2 pc clan have done we appreciate you all so very very much uh and because you are a supporter over on patreon you will not have to listen to our sponsor reads later for hbo max and Rooster Teeth's The Last Laugh Season 2, hosted by one Elise Willems. That's wow. exciting stuff. That's fun. What a Yay. fun you're going to want to hear that. Cut, co-hosted, co-hosted. They're cutting corners on the only promotion we get to do for that stuff. <laughs> 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 well, check out the ad either way because you want to support the homies. But that is neither here nor there. Today we are talking about Scream 2, or as it was originally filmed as until Merrimack said no, Scream, the sequel. Yeah. Uh, okay. Awesome. Which I kind of love. I, I kind of mm-hmm. wish they went with it, but hey, Remax, Max, nah, they don't like fun. Uh, this had a runtime of two hours on the dot. It was released on December 12th, 1997, uh, pretty much exactly a year later after the first one. Uh, it was originally scheduled to open alongside Tomorrow Never Dies and Titanic, but both of those movies shifted their dates to not be pitted against this. Isn't that wow. wild wow. to think about? That's- unreal it says something about the scream the power of scream mm-hmm. and uh powerful it was a budget of 24 million and a box office return of 172 million which is just a couple million short of the first movie and that's just a wild success uh across mm-hmm. the board for for both of them so that's really cool once again it was directed by wes craven but oh, some fun facts here james james teased before the show that he has one fun fact that he's extremely excited to share he also had a really fun fact don't give I this think. to nick <laughs> <laughs> so i'm excited so i don't know which one it is because the fun fact i'm excited about is that wes craven not the only director in this movie oh robert mm. rodriguez is also oh, credited yeah. as a director because Hit me with it, Elise. I read this. No, please hit me, Tim. I'm going to hit you with it. He directed Stab, the movie within a movie. That's awesome. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Pretty cool. Um, And he also directed uh, the Sydney and Billy scene and the the Heather Graham scene. So pretty cool. He had a couple moments in here, but I love Mm -hmm. the idea of the movie in a movie being directed by somebody else. Just a lot lot of fun stuff. Elise, what did you have? For, oh no, that was it. That that was it. I, that was it. But I'm, I have other fun facts, I guess. But you have the funnest. I, this is. Uh, do we want to just jump right in with fun I facts? I want to know what it is. I love fun. I facts. think you know what it is, Nick. It, okay. they, not only are there more than one directors, but there's the music is not just by Marco Beltrami. Mm-hmm. In fact, Hans Zimmer is credited as a composer on this because, Why and this is, is what I love about it. <laughs> it's so weird. This is what I love. That milk you got there? What is that? Everyone's favorite <laughs> incompetent deputy returns in this film, Dewey, okay? Yeah. He just can hang out on campus. <laughs> and when he shows up, he's heralded by this really good, catchy theme. It's a really, it, but it like, it's, it's so, it's like, yeah, it almost solidifies him as this like cowboy type, but like, sympathetic cowboy type and i always remember it being very very catchy it's like oh gosh yeah dewey's theme like you don't remember any of the rest of the score really but dewey's Dewey's theme theme. makes perfect sense and the reason it makes perfect sense is because they stole it from broken arrow yep (laughs) 
Well, they that is it. incredible. It is Dave. literally the theme from fucking a Christian Slater, John yeah. Travolta, and uh, Samantha Mathis classics uh, yeah. directed by, what's his name? John um, Woo, right? John fucking Woo. John oh. Woo. It was temp. It was temp audio. They were putting together the film, and they needed something temp, so they threw this score in, and then it they just let people watch this unfinished version of the film, and in the screenings, people were like, I like this, I like that, really liked that Dewey theme. <laughs> For some reason, it kept coming back at all this pre-screenings that they were doing, that people were like, love that Dewey theme, though. It's just really, get something about it, it's real catchy. So then they ended up having to pay Hans Zimmer to include it in the film, and he's, he's credited as yeah. having composed part of the it's score. so weird, though, because I was like, this is the weird because you guys know I'm I'm a, I'm a strange human being, right? We can all admit this. I'm not mm-hmm. what we would call typically normal, but I get to that part. I watched this movie yesterday, and I get to that part, and I'm like, why do I know that music? <laughs> and then I'm like, it dawns on me, it clicks that it's from Broken Arrow, and I'm like, there's no fucking way this is the same music from Broken Arrow. Maybe I'm just misremembering it, like. Just the themes are slightly, very, very close. Maybe they bit off each other. <laughs> I Googled it, like, yep, no, it's broken out. It's just yeah. the same music. Very weird. Very it, it, when you know, when you know, you can't not hear it. It's like, strange. It doesn't make any sense. If you're just watching it, it feels invisible because you're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of familiar. But when you're, when you know, it doesn't make any sense no. and the, and broken arrow had only come out like a year before so it's not like it was like an homage or anything they just were like oh this is good it's a cool song <laughs> Tim, do you have any context for what broken arrow is i unfortunately nick Absolutely do not, not. wow we wow wow nick wow we, we gotta watch we gotta watch some broken arrow so john woo back in the day um mm-hmm. broke onto the scene with quite a, with a few movies one of which i believe was his first one was hard target which broke him in the states um then he went on to do broken arrow Maybe Face Off first and then Broken Arrow. And Broken Arrow is a very strange action action movie starring Christian Slater versus John Travolta. And I think John Travolta stole a nuclear like missile or something or bomb. And it's a Christian stealth, Slater has the, to get him the, back. It wasn't it a stealth plane called <laughs> the Broken Arrow that had, oh, a, was. had a, a test <laughs> nuke in it's it? It's probably an homage to the Canadian Avro Arrow that never actually flew. Yes. It's a whole, there's a whole thing. Yes. How was, deep does this rabbit hole go? Howie Long <laughs> is also in it, if I recall. Howie Long is in it. Howie Long is in it. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. I love me some wow. Broken Arrow. Indeed. Uh, Scream 2 uh, was <laughs> once again written by Kevin Williamson, who this might go down another rabbit hole path, but created Dawson's Creek uh, Scream. And I know what you did last summer, like we said last time uh, on In Review, uh, the script for this movie was essentially done with the script for Scream 1. Like mm-hmm. he was ready to go. He knew what he wanted this to, to be. So that's kind of cool. Um, and this movie easily passes the Bechtel test, which is a measurement of the representation of women in fiction asking whether a work features at least two women who speak to each other about something other than a man there's a whole bunch of examples throughout the entire movie so good for you scream Two, you did it um before we move on with more stuff i want to know what everyone thought joey noel let's start with you what'd you think of scream so two? i was always touch and go on if i'd actually seen scream two in the amalgamation of piece bits and pieces i'd seen definitely not definitely was thinking of scream i think three where they actually shoot they make the, the movie, movie. Yeah. yeah so i didn't see this at all so 
<clears throat> I was pleasantly surprised because I had no idea about anything going into it. Jerry O'Connell, what a gem. What a like, gem. What a what gem. A, the like, homie. The homie. Not to mention that, like, the scene where he's singing the cafeteria seems like the most, like, we're going to write this just because it's Jerry O'Connell. Which, <laughs> Joey, he got hired you, because of that. Do you Wait, really? think that, um, do you think that that was, they, they were like, this is going to be our Top Gun. Like Jerry <laughs> O'Connell singing in the cat, the people are going to look at that like they look at Tom Cruise singing. Yes, that. Mm-hmm. absolutely. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no joke. The auditions for that role were the, that scene, him singing wow. that song, and all him singing that song. They're like, he nailed it, so he got the job for that. So good for him. Incredible. And he does play such like a good like. Would they retread that old ground again and have it be the boyfriend? Like he's just unsettling enough, mm-hmm. and like kind of just has that frenetic energy yeah, but we that I thought was really fun. If Jerry O'Connell was, like, we were all wrong about him being the killer, I don't want to be right. <laughs> True. True. Um, yeah, I thought it was really fun. I think the casting that they bring in is really fun. Uh, like, uh, Timothy Oliphant is so good mm-hmm. and also has that God. Skeet Ulrich, like, energy, but... We got Sarah Obviously Michelle Geller in this. I know. Mm-hmm. Randomly. The Joshua, which makes sense with her and Joshua Jackson being cast in this with the Kevin Williamson connection. Yes. And she had just made like, I know what you did last summer with him. Yeah. So I, I thought it was really fun. I'm surprised. I love that they get so meta about everything in that whole like film discussion class about the like works. sequels and how does it work and they're never the same and i don't know i think this is a really really fun and very smart series that i just was not expecting even considering like scary movie and stuff were like based on the resurgence of all of these movies i'm like oh you guys aren't giving that enough credit <laughs> for the parody that it kind of devolved into mm-hmm. totally james what do you think I mean, I, I listen, you give me any of these movies. I think I think I can say confidently that it's not as good as the first one. Like, I feel like the first one was, you know, we talked about it here. It was very it was pretty revolutionary where like it basically revived it. But this one, it is as much as it tries to take on like the tropes of sequels. It is still very it does suffer a lot from some of the sequel things that it is mm-hmm. pointing out. But it's just so much fun. Like, it's just fun. Like, I like seeing these characters stomping around. Uh, We'll get to it. But I like that it isn't precious with some of the people that are in the franchise. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, it was just because you're a returning character doesn't mean you're safe kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it almost because, again, we're going to get to Scream 3. Scream 3 is almost like we've transitioned into full cartoon like the difference between Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice the movie and Beetlejuice the Saturday morning cartoon show, mm. you're like, how did that happen? <laughs> Scream 2 is the transition into how we get to Scream 3, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous. But I, I don't know. I just it may be a little longer than it needs to be. I think you could cut probably like 15 minutes out of this movie and make it a little bit tighter. But I just I enjoy it. Like, uh, I'll just watch it every time. And do I'm see. similar to, to where you're at with it, but I feel a little bit more definitively on the this is not nearly as good as the first mm-hmm. one. It is still a blast to watch, and I love all the cast additions they have. But I think that the conceit of the movie and like the whole idea of it kind of being the we're aware it's a sequel, so let's do something cool with it. I don't think that what they did ever transcended it being a sequel, kind of like you're saying, and the way mm-hmm. that the first movie truly did something special and like truly had a lot going for it that. It is a good movie. I can't 
tell myself that Scream 2 is a good movie. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not an enjoyable movie because it definitely is. And there's so much in this that like is just so fun with the way they play with tropes and with what we expect and when they kind of deliver the trope exactly how we expect it versus times they do something that is completely different or times they do something that's just slightly different that is weird as hell but it's like it keeps you on your toes and like joey was saying till the end you're still kind of convinced that jerry o'connell's the killer and like (laughs) i think that that's cool that the movie does a good job of really making us question like what it is we're watching i just think that overall especially the, the thing that makes me so happy about this movie is the opening scene of them in the the theater watching stab like the fact that the second movie in this franchise would already just jump to all right the first one was kind of meta we're going all in on the metaverse Mm -hmm. of this like that is so rad to me and i also love that in any world uh people are going into a brand new ip for a horror movie and are losing their minds on an extent that like even endgame could never get where people are getting killed on screen and the whole theater is standing up like yeah yeah, yeah. just like holy somehow shit. it's like a rocky port horror picture well, like exactly. screening <laughs> but that was like that. my experience watching scream four was people were like nuts in my screening yeah, we were all I shouting it. at it it was great sorry nick <laughs> were you gonna say something oh no, no no i just i just love that they're like all the costumes and all that stuff like people are just already before they even walk into the movie theater just bought all, all yeah. in on yeah. the the mask and you know it just it all it all sort of works on that level that's that's a great marketing team right there. Hell yeah, they, are. they caught they caught the, the 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 wave as they say down in LA. Mm-hmm. You know, we caught the wave. Yeah, that's what we say. <laughs> what what do you think of Scream Two? I mean, echoing all your sentiments, really fun movie. Not nearly as good, or it doesn't. It'll never hit that classic status that the first one does. Um, and the first one just did something very unique and was very stylized. This one almost feels like. It's like, let's make a more entertaining movie by a different director, which is weird that it's still mm-hmm. Wes Craven. But it does feel like the difference between Speed 1 and Speed 2, where you're like, Speed 2 is still fun. But like, definitely the first director was like, I don't know if I got what they were going for in the first movie. Maybe I didn't even watch it. It doesn't matter. Um, it's absurd and it's super fun. And I actually had a lot more fun watching it the second time around than the first time I watched it. Because I think the expectation was like, how are you going to outdo the the classicness of scream one and i don't think they necessarily tried i think they just were like we're going to lean way more into the meta nature of all the stuff we're going to lean way more into the self-referential references and i found myself toward the end of it i know it's a lot more slapsticky but i found myself toward the end of it being like i would actually watch stab if they made this movie <laughs> I, like if they remade Scream with a different cast and called it Stab, I, I would actually and like with Tori spelling as Nev Campbell, I would I would consider okay. watching this movie. And so, the, yeah, the fun fact there is that was referenced in the first movie when yeah. she said like, "Oh, if they make a movie out of this, who is going to play me?" Tori Spelling, and then she was in this, which is yeah. just amazing, right? Tori Spelling also is like a side character in in Scary yeah, Movie Two. She's oh my gosh. Did someone say Tori Spelling or say yes? Hills not doing anything. Anything. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Elise, what'd you think? Okay, so I don't think I'm going to be as glowing maybe as everybody. And uh, I owned the first three Scream movies on VHS and I would rewatch them all the time. And I would say two is the one that I would watch the least. And I think that's because to me, the first one nailed it. The third one goes into more camp territory. It's like Mm -hmm. way over the top. And I appreciated that more. I think two, while very self-aware, dials it back for me a little bit in the fun factor and uh i still really enjoy it a lot um but there's just stuff where like and you'll probably all feel differently because i know you guys are ragging on him in the first one but dewey's less like goofy in this one 
Yeah. Like he's that goofy yeah. bumbling cop. In this, it's he's just kind of like always mad at Gale. Bang, like there's bang, bang. elements so where jaded, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> burr, burr, burr. dope there's, theme there's song. So <laughs> elements where I'm like I'm not having like as much fun with this movie though. I do like really appreciate it and get excited for certain moments. Uh, you know, Tim, you pointed to, and everyone I think always points to the fact that Kevin Williamson had like he uh, had this you know the plan for the three movies, uh, but. The lore that everybody talks about is how the script for Scream 2 got leaked and they had to completely change who the killers were. I think originally it was supposed to be Billy Loomis's mom, Derek, which is Jerry O'Connell, and then uh, her roommate, uh, who I forget the roommate's name. I know the actress's name is Elise because Haley? I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Haley. Um, I think that that was originally the thing. It got leaked. They had to pivot. And that might be why they do such a good job of making it feel like Jerry O'Connell's the decoy mm-hmm. in it, because mm-hmm. like those things would have been alluded to anyway. I have no idea. I'll conjecture on my part. Uh, however, it's it's still like super solid and fun to watch. And I, I mean, so many great moments. The the intro that intro is an amazing intro. Awesome. The wit so like. Good. I can't tell you when I was younger, the whispering in the bathroom stall used to always creep me out. Mm-hmm. We'll, get, we'll get to it, but. It's one of those things, though, like, I cannot, I can't get the scary movie yep. out of my brain. Yep. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. Every oh, yes. time I watch it, I'm like, yep. oh, God, that just ruins this scene completely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, with that, let's get to the plot. Please tell us the story. Hey, please tell us that story. It's Scream 2. And we are at the Rialto Theater, which I think is a real theater, but I've never been to. Have you guys ever seen a movie there? I don't know. I, it's real, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know offhand. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Right. <laughs> in my brain, I'm like, this whole thing happens in L.A., but then I realize we don't know where this happens, do we? It doesn't. I don't think it does. It's no, not They go to college somewhere, right? Yeah. I think it's real. Because Apparently there's more. It was filmed in a beautiful little Vista Theater. Named Vista Theater oh, <laughs> in the Vista. Sunset Drive in Hollywood. That's is that that's Quentin Tarantino's theater now? No, he's the Buena Vista. That's probably Continue, anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Either way, Omar Epps <laughs> and Jada Pinkett, not Smith yet, are heading mm. to the hottest new movie in town, and it's called Stab. And right off the bat, the movie is self-aware, and they have a great, uh, great little dialogue here. They're walking in, talking about it, and she says the horror genre is historically is historical for excluding the African American element. Uh, and then they make fun of Sam, Sandra Bullock, but that's clearly because guys, they clearly haven't seen her star yet in The Heat, which is the greatest comedy oh, ever made. God, exactly. It's shocking how often you are able to bring this. I movie know what up. you're thinking, James. <laughs> when is the last time you watched The Heat, Nick? Maybe it's just been too long, and you you have fond memories of a movie you saw years ago the answer is two days ago i watched it over the weekend it's free with commercials <sighs> the studio had... with commercials that means, that means at some point man. Yeah, at some point <laughs> the movie the ended commercials <laughs> the movie ended and then they said we're gonna we're gonna give you an opportunity to stop watching the heat and you said uh, noted i will remain <laughs> oh nick you must have meant that you watched heat no mm-hmm. no i mean i i did watch the, the 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 critically acclaimed movie The Heat. Uh, I've I've seen that a couple times. Yes. What about no, Red what, Heat. What I, Red Heat also great. No. Okay. What I like. What Heat I keep coming back to though is the is what Tim and I refer to as the one two punch of Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock as a, a, just a, a comedy team for the ages. Okay. There's this great part where they talk about how she buys coffee filters and uses them as toilet paper because they're pretty much the same thing. Is that cheaper? 
What's the joke? Cinema. I don't know, but it makes me giggle every single time. Anyway, the studio is handing out souvenir costumes uh, and like fake blades that are like glow in the dark. As Phil and Maureen enter the lobby, their names will be important later uh, during a chalkboard scene that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, They open the doors to the theater, and what, Elise, do we hear as the word stab is projected on the screen before them? Oh, I don't know. What what do we, what do we, uh, what do we hear? Is this a trick question? No, it's not a trick question at all. It's just Dreams? the song that, if memory serves me correctly, is constantly playing in the Willems's household. Oh, yeah, right, Red Right Hand. There it is right there. And yeah. they use it very, very liberally in this movie. It's just that theme and Broken Arrow over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then there's a random Dave Matthews band song. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later because I want to get y'all's perspective on this whole DMB. Uh, Dave Matthews bullshit. band? Bullshit. <laughs> DMBS is more like it. Whatever. Exactly, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Fucking Google yeah. that to Greg. Over to Greg. Ship it. Uh, the movie starts, and it's a recreation uh, of the Drew Barrymore scene from Screen One, only with Heather Graham instead, which is just great. Uh, Maureen jacks Phil for some money so she can go get popcorn and yuck a Pepsi. And two other theater ah. goers are like, this movie is really in poor taste because it's based on real events, just in case you, for some reason, didn't watch Scream 1. And you're like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> then Phil comes out of a broom closet and scares Maureen, which kind of turns him on. Maureen heads back in to watch Heather Graham burn the popcorn as Phil heads to the men's room to urinate. Uh, The urinals are filled with dudes dressed as ghost face costumes, so Phil decides to head to one of the stalls so he can creepily listen into a weird conversation happening in the stall next to him. Elise Willems from Funhouse. Would you ever think it's acceptable to hide in a broom closet at a movie theater? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, that's a lot. I mean, it was a different time with this. It was. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, like, all of that, where it's like, a movie theater being like, oh yeah, fuck it. Yeah. All of you have fake knives and yeah. wear this, yeah. this, this guy that in real life in the last year killed people. No way. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that no, would no. not fly today. Yeah. There's no way AMC no. was like, this is something we should allow to happen in our theater. Not after like Dark Knight shit and Absolutely stuff like that. Like, no yeah. fucking way. Absolutely not. Um... Of course, he stops to creepily listen to uh, a little, little conversation. The guy's like, ha, 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 ha. Can you hear that, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Nick, I can't. <laughs> so right? And he's like, oh, this is turning me on. Because apparently Phil is just a horn dog. <laughs> and he <laughs> is willing to do whatever it takes to get it on. Yeah. Uh, and he's prepaid for that by getting a knife right through his fucking ear. Mm-hmm. And Not a penis. brutal. Not a penis. Brutal. Like not a penis, not like a penis. Which come on, when you watch this, doesn't party be like, was this it, the one with the penis? Yeah, in? it feels like it feels like Scream Two is the parody, mm-hmm. right? When you watch mm-hmm. Scary Movie, you know it seems the joke would be that a knife comes through, but when you find a hole in a stall door, a penis should. So think- I mean, that's just the kind of that's just the kind of things you're gonna get when you follow this up. You watch one, then you immediately watch the other, like we've been doing. Where you watch a scream and then scary movie, and then scream two, and then scary movie two. It's yeah, perfect sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the ghost face uh, then ghost face returns to the theater and sits next to Maureen, but he's dressed as Phil. And then she quickly realizes she's like, "You're covered in blood. That's weird." And then the whole theater watches as, as on screen Casey gets stabbed while Maureen gets stabbed uh, right in front of them all. But they don't think they. I think I guess they think this is a publicity stunt because mm-hmm. uh, as she gets stabbed a bunch in front of them, then she walks up. She somehow mas- musters the energy to walk onto the stage and then scream with all her might and then collapse dead. Yeah. And people are like, this movie fucking rocks. A little dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> like, think about that. 
Um, and then bang, we get Scream 2, Revenge of Ghostface. I put that subtitle in there, but we get that kind of splashed. And then we're into some really bad 90s songs. As we catch up with Sydney, she gets another call from Ghostface. And he's like, hello, Sydney. But it's not Ghostface, actually. It's someone named Corey Gillis because she has one of those cool little things that tells you who's calling. And he's like, oh, no, my mom's going to be so mad. She goes, hot flash, Corey. Prank calls her criminal offense, criminal code 90210 or whatever it is. And he's like, oh, no, my mom's going to be so mad. So he hangs up. And then we get introduced to Hallie, who's Sydney's roommate. And she's your like, Ghostface oh. impression is, like, shockingly good. Joe, I want you to close your eyes. Okay. Uh, close your eyes right now. Uh-huh. They're closed. Hello, Joey. <laughs> Let's get Tom. It's almost about. like the Joker, though. Like it has like. I, maybe I take back my thing. You might need to rework that just a little bit. Nick, okay, what if, what if it was Daniel Larusso calling Joey? He missed the Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Back to the plot. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I make myself laugh. Uh, let's see. Uh, we get her, we get to meet her roommate, and Haley's like, "Is it time to change our number again?" But she goes, "Nah, it's opening weekend. It'll all die down." And you know. Taking all this stuff in stride, trying to find a balance in her life. She watches an interview with Cotton Weary, played by Leah Shriver, who is having a tough time re-entering society after being exonerated of the crime of murder. No. I don't love this. This is another inspired casting that I didn't expect. And on top of that, like bringing the, the guy that was like supposed to be the killer back to be part of this whole plot mm-hmm. and the plot they give him. Pretty cool. Pretty interesting. Maybe a little too real of him trying to like become famous from it all. It's like, ah, but <laughs> for this being in 1997, I'm like, this is actually a pretty inspired plot for this character. Well, like considering like the minimal throwaway part he has in the first one you would never expect that like now this guy is back in this pivotal way and also i guess in that fabled leak script he was supposed to have a much bigger part mm. in the ending too like christine maybe we talk about that tw- at the, saying, at the pretty, end but... pretty integral but yeah was he oh interesting okay. we can talk about it now what was he supposed to do i guess it was supposed to... and this is all like obviously the i read this on the internet so who knows but he was supposed to like it was supposed to come down to like he and Sydney battling it out because he's actually feels pretty raw about like his life getting ruined by the events of things. And then both of them like collapse in a bloody heap and die or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Wow. All right. Interesting. Well, well, that's rewriting is rewriting. But he's back and we love him. Now. <laughs> <laughs> the same movie is written three times. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Haley reminds Sydney they have a sorority party to go to that night. And Sydney's like, I got to back out of this. But then Haley's like, listen, just lower the walls for a few days. This self-induced isolation is not healthy. Uh, and then a random Jodie Foster lookalike runs up and pledges allegiance to the flag and tells Haley and Sydney to check the news. And then that Marine and Phil were killed. And Sydney's like, oh, my God, I don't know who those people are. But she's got to find Randy. And she's like, I think Randy's in his film theory class right now. So, uh, of course, question real quick. Yeah. Um, how did you guys feel? I think one of the shortcomings for me in this movie is Sydney herself. Hundred percent. She's she's so defensive. Like I, the Sydney of the first movie is justify justifiably trying to process the trauma that happened in her life, the very violent trauma, and that makes sense for a lot of her her distance. In this, she is. I think they're going for like the Ripley like becoming a badass kind of thing but she mm. it, something about her what they gave her in this felt more like she just kind of was like a wet blanket 
most yeah. of the time. And a lot of this film, I think, working against it is when it was just it was mostly Sydney off doing her own thing, and then everyone who was actually fun together doing something else. And I anytime it would go back to Sydney, I'd be like, I don't care about your play. Like, like <laughs> I don't care about the things you're dealing with right now. It is not as fun as watching them go and like deal with all the stuff, you know. So I did that was just something I noticed as I was watching it. I was like, I don't really like what they did with her here. Like thinking about that, you're you're spot on. Because I think I think about the scenes that I like the most in this and it's definitely the gail dewey randy like mm-hmm. them running around trying to solve the murder or like scooby-doo and uh and then they get to the part where like the guy's like i don't have an understudy i was like why would you give a fuck about this play right now <laughs> mm-hmm. like i would get first off if any of this start, shit started happening to me i'd be like tim fuck I'm, out of there. I'm coming over to the studio right now we're gonna mm-hmm. hunker down kevin get all the guns right and then mm-hmm. you guys go there and i am not there i'm in fucking italy or some other mm-hmm. place that you've never even heard of before right. Right. and i'm not telling anyone where i'm going because right. it's it's the 90s there's no cell phones there's no twitter no one's gonna know yeah, you, you just, just smoke your cigarette right out of the plane yeah. Also, you think her dad would be like, you need Come to home. leave school. Yeah. No, well, he's he's a puss. Gallivant we determined the first right? movie that he's a big old puss. Yeah. yeah, we did. He didn't do anything. Jeez Louise. Uh, anyway, when she leaves the dorms, she's mobbed by news reporters. Over in Randy's film theory class, all the students have a philosophical conversation uh, about how life imitates art. And the teacher asks, are you suggesting that someone is trying to make a real life sequel? And then they start talking about sequels. Uh, and the, the scariest part of this whole scene is how thin Sarah Michelle Eller, Geller's eyebrows were in the 90s. Like, man, they were barely there. Did you notice this? I did I not. It's just the 90s, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that no was one had the vibe. Yeah. Look. I, I was just I, stoked I, to see her. SMG, one thing uh, I don't like is when she's like, you've got a hard on for Cameron because he says that like Terminator 2 and Aliens are two of the best movies ever made. And I'm like, yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah. They are two of the best movies ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to have that. There was also some weird trivia that I was trying to make sense of and I couldn't. So maybe you guys can help me here. I know the one you're talking about, Tim. OK, there's a there's a line where uh, where we have Jamie Kennedy kind of well, actually him, where he's just like he quotes the line from Aliens 2 about uh-huh. like. Stay away. stay away from her, you bitch. Yeah. yeah. Stay away from her or whatever. Um, and then he's like, actually, he says, get away from her. And supposedly the line he corrects is incorrect. Yes. Yeah. They fucked that up somehow. Because it is get away from her, you bitch. It's not. I think Joshua Jackson said the wrong line. No, it's oh. from what I understand, Joshua Jackson said the right thing, and then Randy corrected it with the wrong thing. But I think Joshua Jackson was supposed to say get away from her, but he said stay away from her. Got it. And so maybe upset. That's how I but like why wouldn't you just reshoot hmm. that? Yeah, I don't know. I think they I don't know. Maybe Randy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. It was yeah. it was very confusing when I yeah. Yeah. I just wrote it off as film class being just insufferable. And it, was the 90s, it was the 90s, man. It was the 90s, man. I just don't uh, like it because Randy's built up to be like the movie the guy, guy that's yeah. supposed yeah. to yeah. But the line is, yeah. get away from her, you bitch, right? That is the, the iconic line from that, that, that section of the movie. I'm going to get away from her, milk mommy. <laughs> no one's ever said that. I'm happy there, we're here. Just, just to put, put this into perspective, this scene always reminds me of a scene I had in college, I was in a film class that's very much like that, where the teacher was like, and go. And then they had a big discussion. And in the, dis- I wasn't participating because I wasn't that kind of student. But um, just sitting off to the side, Thank I was you. observing. Thank you, James. <laughs> I was observing. And I remember one of the students, a Randy type, brought up uh, The Princess Bride. And then, and then, and then the Sarah Michelle, or Michelle Geller equivalent 
uh, said, don't spoil it. I haven't seen it yet. And and I just remember thinking at this point, it's probably 2004. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you don't get to ask that anymore. No. <laughs> like <laughs> of the Princess Bride, which, again, isn't really like it's not like M. Night Shyamalan's Princess yeah, Bride. No like there's right? nothing to spoil. <laughs> so you don't get to just ask that a plot point from this movie that's been around for 30 years like is spoiled for you. I guess 20 at the time. I'd like to argue there is that one thing that they can spoil. It's a big about, deal. About Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh, come on. Don't Boom, spoil I it. Boom, I did it. There Boom, it is. Boom, I did it. There it is. Easy. He did it. It is, it is, it is no fear. You're, I thought you were going to say they spoiled the fact You just made Milkad's shit list. That, that, that woman who is in, the woman who is in my uh, film class in, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina in 2004-ish or whatever... I hope you're watching. Dread Damn. Pirate Roberts is a mantle that's passed on and passed on. So cool. Just like Tim Gettys. Mm -hmm. the third Tim Gettys. Uh, we also get introduced here in the scene to Randy's new goatee and sideburn combination, which I absolutely oh. hate. And <laughs> the it was like a stepping stool into the 2000s. What he had going oh. on right there. And I God, loved every terrible. second of it. Uh, and we also get introduced okay. to Timothy Oliphant's uh, haircut, who, which apparently has just been the same since the 90s. But Tim, <laughs> when something's perfect, you don't fucking change it. Shout out um, to Timothy Oliphant, man. Every single look him. he gives in this movie, I'm like, yeah, Great. you did it. Yep. You earned your paycheck. Uh, Sydney tells Randy it's all happening again, but he tries to calm her down. Shit, he's like, shit just happens in the movies. She's like, that's a terrible excuse. And then Jerry O'Connell comes over. Before, to before you get there, I have two things. One. I want to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by HBO Max. If you're here, you probably love video games, but sometimes we have to face the cold, hard truth. We can't game all the time. Sometimes we got to kick back and watch some movies and some TV too. So it's a good thing HBO Max is here to save the day with all of your favorite DC content. HBO Max has an expansive superhero collection to feed your fandom. Greg Miller is stoked, of course. They've got Wonder Woman. They got Justice League, Stargirl, Batwoman, HBO, Shazam, Suicide Squad. The list goes on, of course. Plus the streaming platform lets you download your favorite titles and take them with you on the go. All the bingeable collections handpicked by humans, not robots. Personally, I've been enjoying and a whole bunch of different things uh, over on HBO. I love all the day and date releases. We know we got The Matrix now coming out in December. That's really exciting to look forward to. We got Malignant. I'm about to watch that this weekend. Check out some of the best superhero content and so much more only on HBO Max. Get streaming today by going to hbom.ax slash kindoffunnydc. That's hbom.ax slash kindoffunnydc. Next up, shout out to Rooster Teeth's Last Laugh Season 2. I was a huge fan of Season 1, uh, mainly because my boy Alfredo was in it. But Season 2, can't wait for it. Here's the whole pitch for it. Do not laugh. It's part game show, part social experiment, 100% evil laugh challenge, spectacular. Last Laugh returns for a second season with 12 contestants gathered for six hours to see who literally laughs last. If they laugh, smile, or smirk, they're eliminated and prevented from dethroning Season 1 champion the homie blaine gibson uh the host of the show jeff ramsey and elise Willems. so that's super awesome they have a new collection of surprises but will they be enough to break the contestants we'll have to find out uh last laugh season two debuts september 9th on rooster teeth but you can catch up on all of season one right now 
And two, I have a fact about this that is really funny to me, and I thought it was weird watching it. I'm happy there is a semi-explanation for it. There's a scene earlier on in the movie when Sydney confronts Randy as they're walking to class about the killings on campus and how it's all happening over again. At that point, Randy inexplicably switches to an English accent for the rest of the scene. <laughs> Did you guys notice that? Yeah, no. Because like, oh, it was... It was really weird, and he like does it. It's for more than just a couple words. So, uh, in a recent podcast, as of a couple years ago, Jimmy Kennedy burst into laughter when he watched the scene and admitted he had no reason why Randy would suddenly switch <laughs> accents like that. God, that's that is... the Jamie Kennedy we all know. Of. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy experience. <laughs> I have guys. a reason. The reason is he was portrayed by Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What more reason could you want? Mm -hmm. uh, Jerry O'Connell looking great in this movie. Very, very uh, love seeing him and stuff. Uh, comes over and gives her a little smooch. Then we see Gail Weathers and she is back and she has a new camera guy named Joel. Hey, what's a happened? new hairdo? That's new hair. Terrible. Every every movie is a new style, a new do. Terrible, Joey. What is the you don't like this one? Word. You don't this, like the hair listen, with the streaks? No. She looks like she looks like Rufio. She does look <laughs> like Rufio. Oh, yeah. Great. Or she looks like Norman Osborn from the comics. Yes. <laughs> Tiger striped hair. It's yeah. not Ugh. great. It's not great. I'll say that. But you know what? The 90s, not exactly the, the era of fashion and hairstyles that we all yearn for these days. Speak for yourself. But I'll tell you. I speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, anyway, we get introduced to Joel, the new camera guy. Hey, what happened to your last camera guy? Oh, Kenny, we used his blood to clean our windshield. At that point, I would have been like, I got to get the fuck out of here. But apparently, Joel doesn't read books. He has no idea what happened to Kenny. But he will figure that out as the, the story goes on. Uh, and then Aunt Jackie comes over and tries to schmooze Gail. And it'll be a cold storm in hell when you pull a fast one on Weathers. You know what I mean? She's not mm -hmm. taking any of this, Tim. She's like, get the F out of here, Aunt Jackie. And Tim, if you're wondering why I'm calling her Aunt Jackie, it's because she played Aunt Jackie for a very, very long time in Roseanne. Yeah. There we go. There we go. There it is. Yeah. And never did anything else. I don't remember. Maybe she's the no, model ladybird. I'll say, hold she's on, Lori Ladybird. How, how dare was was oh, robbed okay, of an Oscar for her performance <laughs> in Lady Bird, and uh, and that's it. Yeah, and for Scream yep. too. She's mm -hmm. great. <laughs> never she's not, sorry. At least was she nominated for an Oscar for Scream too? No, no. Yes, yes. But she was robbed. It was wild. It was a real, real wild card year that they pulled that name out of the hat. Didn't have a lot going on. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gail asks the police chief if they if uh, they think the murderers are happening again, and then Sydney spots her. And I, I like this part because everyone just starts like it's like she's asking all the questions. Everyone stops and they're just kind of like paying attention to her to get all the good scoops because they all revere her, including uh, Deb Star, I think is her name, or Storm, something like that. Uh, What's that? Salt. That's what it is. Thank you. Uh, and then Ellen's wife and the Noxima girl come over to make sure Sydney is invited to their Delta Lama party. And I could have sworn. I was like, oh, my God. Rebecca Gayhart's in this movie. She's the killer. She's absolutely no, the killer. No. You're thinking you, of Urban Legends. You're thinking of Urban Legends. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yep. I got to the end of this movie and I was like. Motherfucker. Because <laughs> 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 I remember it was like, I, I was like, I think it's Timothy Oliphant and uh, and Laurie Metcalf. But I was like, then I saw Rebecca Gerhardt. I was like, oh, she was a killer in one of these fucking movies. And <laughs> that wasn't, but that wasn't the one with Michelle Michelle Geller, right? No, no that's that what you did. did last summer. Who was the lead in that? Urban movie? Legend has Tara Reed. Tara Reed. But it's also Kevin Williamson, isn't it? Isn't it? I don't. Recall. Isn't that also? Is that the guy with the, the fish hook, or is that I know what you did? Last that's, time? that's that's I know what you did. Yeah. 
God, this is too hard. Anyway, uh, Sydney spots <laughs> a dumbass across the lawn who lo- who's lost and realizes it's Dewey. And here's the first time we get the amazing theme from Broken Arrow, once again starring John Travolta, Christian Slater, Fantastic. and Samantha Massif. Of course, Tim, you'll remember Broken Arrow for being the movie that reunited Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis after they did Pump Up the Volume. Got it. Well, um, and if I recall, were Great they reference. not both at the Viper Room the night that River Phoenix died? River Phoenix died? Ooh, wow. I do, I do not know that piece of trivia, but if you I don't, just pulled uh, that out, that is I don't amazing. know if Christian Slater was there. I mean, she was dating River Phoenix at the time. Do you really? think Christian Slater yeah. killed River Phoenix outside of the Viper Room? We need to move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dewey reminds Sid that there is some psycho trying to follow, uh, follow in Billy Loomis's footsteps, and she's like, she, she probably already knows that, or them, he says, because it could be two colors this time, remember, I don't remember. And then Dewey tells her he's going to hang around and make sure she's safe. And she's like, you got lost just now in an open field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't make me feel also noted. He's got a bit of a limp. He does he's got a limp, which they explain because she was and someone asks him later. How do you, Randy, why do you have a limp? You got stabbed Randy, in the- yeah. He said sure. nerve damage. Yeah, yeah, nerve damage. Yeah. And it comes into play later in the film. It does. Everything all they're just little seeds. What they do is they just they just sprinkle the seeds and then they root and then by the end of the film, they grow. And maybe one of them's important. Them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gail pulls another fast one on Sydney and tries to get her to reunite with Cotton on camera. And he seems, yeah, at this point, I'm like he seems like an actually kind of a nice guy. Um, I hope he stays that way the rest of the movie. Uh, Sydney punches uh, Gail out. Uh, and, then, and then Cotton's very disappointed to learn that Gail lied to him about them having an official interview. And you're like... You know, good for you, Cotton. Stand up for yeah. your principles. Yeah, good for you, Is Cotton. there a movie or a role where Liev Schreiber isn't, like, always? Isn't he just always kind of creepy in movies? Sabretooth. He was great Every, in that. Yes. Very straightforward. <laughs> Not very Manchurian <laughs> candidate. Because um, I feel Ray, like he's just always Do you watch creepy. Ray Donovan? No. Pretty good Should in that. I? He's the lead character. Yeah, he's like a fixer. You know, morally ambiguous, but but a, but a good guy, stand-up guy. I don't think that, I don't think that refutes... Joey's point, question. though. I think it just reinforces it. I'm going through a lot of the episodes that I recall from Ray Donovan, and I think Joey's spot on. I'm kind of backpedaling okay. okay. this now in my brain. Uh, Gail spots Dewey and tries to make up with him for calling him a dimwit in her book, and the heat between these two is fucking hot enough to cook a porterhouse. Uh, day turns to night, and then we get another really bad day. It's a really great song. scene where he's just like so self aware of like maybe I'm like just trying to pretend like he's playing this all so yeah. like cerebrally. It's I, like, Dewey, are you really putting that much thought into yeah. it? But I like that you've used these last four years or however long to like come up with this. You know that this is what. Him in the shower, like, what am I going to finally say to Gail when I interact with her? And I love that about him. Joey, I love that line that he says. He's like, maybe I just want people to think that so I can come in (laughs) unassuming and like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, Dewey. (laughs) Uh, We get a really bad Dave Matthews band song here, or as some of the kids like to call it, DMB, which I personally still have never heard of before, but apparently that's a thing. And we go off to the. Delta. Is that the one bone you have to pick with them that you teased earlier? <laughs> Huge bone. You ever, Huge bone. Okay. I have to pick. You don't even. You're not even concerned with the fact that they sprayed shit out of their RV over all those people. You in don't Boston, care about that. Right, or Chicago. Wherever they were driving around in their in their tour tour bus, and then they launched shit out of it, and then they got <laughs> in trouble. For I them. think it was over the Chicago River. So yeah. It, yeah. So there was it. a boat. Yeah. You nailed it. That's it. Yeah. 
There you um, go. Do you think there's a you button? Asked? They've been launching shit on people for decades. How God. dare you? <laughs> Dave, the clo- we, we may not have invented time machines, but at least we have Dave Matthews Band's music. Because, <laughs> like, just because when you listen to it, you're not in the present. That's for yeah, sure. That's With for the kind of pull that Kind of Funny has, Dave Matthews could be on uh, Games Daily any Are you week. Kidding now. Me? We have no idea. You got to get you a can't... camera. Get a camera on his feet. Watch next time he perform. Next time, this is. I'm just going to address everyone watching directly. Next time you see Dave Matthews live, watch his feet while he plays guitar. That That's entertaining. It's a delight. Okay. Well, now I feel I'm like I need to Google Dave Matthews feet, but I don't feel like I'm going to have to wait until we don't have time for everyone to Google Dave Matthews feet. Just trust me on this one. Make put a little PS, put make a notepad right now or a mindset reminder for the end of this podcast. Go look at Dave Matthews feet when he plays guitar. Nick, what happened next? Hold on feet. It's oh, up. All right, take, take us to the sorority house. Maybe Dave Matthews is going to have a better wiki feed score than he does. No, no, no. I just want I want to make sure I watch him this thing so I have context for it, more ammunition for the next time I bring Dave Matthews up, which will probably be next week because the, the other one was made in the, in the 90s as well. I'm sure there's more DMB songs there. Anyway, I digress. We go over to the Delta Lambda party uh, while over at the uh, Omega Beta Zeta house, Sarah Michelle Geller is watching some late night TV because she's the designated driver for the sisters and she gets a call from Ghostface. And says, "Do you want to die tonight, Joey?" Wow. Uh, CC is her name. And then uh, she, you want to die, Joey? <laughs> uh, she hangs up and calls her friend, who is voiced by Selma Blair. Random. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, yeah. I was like, I saw her in the in the little cruel uh, intentions. Thing, and I was like, oh, cool. This we had. This so was good. our Brad Pack. It was our brat pack, and they're very not memorable. <laughs> then she hears a noise upstairs, and at this point, I would just leave the house. I'm like, I don't give yeah, a fuck. I know. I'm out. Walk outside. People are getting killed. I'm gone. But she doesn't. Uh, and then Donnie interrupts her and freaks her out and then asks her, uh, answers the phone and tells Cece it's Ted. But guess what? It's not really Ted. And on the way out, she goes, don't forget to set the alarm. And we see Ghostface in the background. He's like, ah jazz hands and then leaves and then she's on the phone and there must be or but by the way we see that Ghostface is not on the phone or hasn't like a cell phone so we're like oh there's got to be two killers because he's on the phone right now but whatever don't forget to set the alarm cc and then just leave donnie still probably in the driveway he's just hey hold on wait up for me there's a fucking guy in here we got to call the cops anyway she doesn't do that she goes upstairs instead uh instead of that i'm sorry she uh checks all the doors and all and sets the alarm and all that shit and then proceeds to check the entire house until Ghostface chases her up the stairs and stabs her a bunch of times in the spine and then throws her off the third story balcony over she did that stunt herself (laughs) she did i'm i read that oh really the hitting of the ground though yeah (laughs) just getting thrown (laughs) thrown yeah for her so impressive. Uh, I wouldn't have yeah. expected that. Yeah. I like this. I like this scene a lot because it feels very scream. It feels very traditionally scream to me. I think it's because it's ghost face in a house chasing, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, a woman, which is all I really want. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. Pretty much all you're going to get for the rest of this. Uh, the Delta Landers give Sydney the hard sell and Timothy Oliphant tries to hit on Haley, but the party gets interrupted when the news of the Omega Beta Zeta killing makes the rounds. Everyone runs over to the, uh, as red right hand, Fades right back in again, and Sydney realizes it is, in fact, happening all over again. Uh, Aunt Jackie is also making the round. She gives Gail shit, but Gail also realizes it's happening again, and Dewey gives her shit for it. And her camera guy, Joel, tries to back out, but Monica tells him that the same thing she told Chandler after they banged in Vegas that first time. Do not fuck with me. Now go get your camera, is what she tells Joel. Uh, Sydney gets a call that night. 
at Delta Lambda and for some reason answers the phone despite the fact that this is not her sorority house whatsoever. Uh, and it's Ghostface. And he immediately, we don't even, you want to talk about fucking expectations here. I'm like, oh, we're going to build up again. No, he just jumps right back out and starts attacking mm -hmm. her. I'm like, oh my God, you're in that house too. How close are these houses together? Or are there four of you this time? What's going on? How many killers are there? Uh, Jerry O'Connell sees her outside and then runs around and they, they meet up outside. He goes, I'm going to go in there and kick this guy's ass. She's like, no, don't go. And then uh, he gets cut in the arm. And then do well, we don't see it? We see him chase down, chase down Ghostface, yes. and then he goes, "Ow, my army!" And then, and then when we see mm -hmm. him, he's got he's got a towel on his arm, and he goes, "He got away." So suspicious. It's fucking dope theme song. Pretty suspicious. You're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dewey runs in just in time, but uh, chases the guy out. And then we see the Noxima girl and the sister from Rest of Development one more time. And they're like, what's happening in our house right now? And I'm like, are you the fucking killer from this one? Or are you the one with the one with the hook? They all blend together. <laughs> Mickey tries to comfort Sydney, but somehow she knew this was coming. Uh, is it because the first movie did so well financially? Question mark. And the answer is yes, Tim. Uh, Mickey tells her that the 90s are no time to be a hero. Why would anyone go back inside that house anyway? And the music cue hits, and Sydney's like, oh, my God, Derek might be the killer. It is happening all over again, but he's got a great tan. Let me tell you, it looks fucking fantastic with the shirt off, so uh, whatever. Then Dewey accuses Derek of being the killer. So Derek naturally accuses him of being the killer. And then we're all like, I mean, I say you made me. You got to say you made me, right? Well, Ran wasn't it Randy? It's Randy and Dewey, right? Randy no, and Dewey this, start yelling at each other. I think this is the part in the in the. Well, I the had Dewey. Shop. No, this is. A... You're thinking of when Randy and Dewey are talking, and Randy says, "Well, if I'm a suspect, then you're a suspect." Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, this is the part where they're like, they're all, everyone's starting to accuse each other. I was making a Batman reference mm -hmm. there. It didn't hit. We'll move on. Gail and Dewey realize the names <laughs> of all the victims spell out other victims using some sort of weird fucking ass backward math <laughs> on, on the chalkboard. She's like, well, Phil's last name is this, and Maureen's last name was Sydney's mom, and Cece means nothing. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything whatsoever. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff here uh, going off what Elise was talking about. Uh, there being like a script and then it changed a lot over time because there was leaks in the early days of the internet that kind of like mm -hmm. spoiled like key moments. So they had to like be a little more creative with some things, which led to weird decisions like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, CC originally was going to be named something else that was a little more on the nose to be clear about like what it was referencing. And uh, there was a lot of cases where uh, the movie had such a rough schedule of just getting completed in one year after the the sequel, because it got green lit like the weekend or whatever that Scream 1 uh, was the success. So the script kept being rewritten sometimes day of shooting. So like there's a lot of moments where like even big reveals don't necessarily add up. So that's an example of it. Uh, Sydney tells Derek to stay away for her so she doesn't get hurt, but Derek can't wonder if she, she help, can't, can't help but wonder if she suspects him of being one of the killers. And she says, I just don't want to see you get hurt. Uh, if I were Derek, I would leave the state at this point. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Uh, Gail tries to get in better with Dewey and tells him to smile. And you can tell he kind of, he, he kind of wants to, uh, right a little bit. He kind of holds back a little bit. And this is, this is one of those things where I think it's largely due to David Arquette's keen acting prowess. Yes, I agree. I agree. I like that you can't even get through saying that with a straight face. <laughs> he, I mean, undeniably entertaining in this movie watching David Arquette, though, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Dewey's yeah. a highlight of all these movies. Yes. I At this agree. Point, where they were married, right? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they were together. Or least. they were at least yeah. together. So yeah. you can tell that there. You got Courtney Cox has a couple moments where she smiles at him and you're like, no, oh, that's just you're breaking the fourth wall there, and I don't care. And Jackie. Before tells, watching these, I was like, they're a weird pairing. But after watching these movies, I'm like, I kind of like their sense. their vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Sometimes people just want to date someone who's goofy and shorter than them. It's fine. <laughs> Aunt Jackie asks about Dewey, but Gail tells her that Dewey is a good guy, uh, unlike some of us. And then Jackie tells everyone else uh, that maybe Dewey is the killer. And this is where uh, Gail starts to turn here and be like, oh, you know what? I've I've done this all wrong. Sydney joins her friends for lunch and Derek pulls a Top Gun on her and sings, I think I love you. uh, While frat boys tuck $1 bills into his pocket. Somebody even says Top Gun. He's doing a Top Gun. And I'm like, no, that is incorrect. Okay. It's the wrong song. 100% 100% the wrong song. And this is the question I have for James, right? James, you and I, of course, love Top Gun. We do. Can someone pull a Top Gun if you're not singing the song from Top Gun? Mm. Because I here, here's my point. If it's not <laughs> yeah. that, then you're pulling a 10 Things I Hate About You. Not but had Top that Gun. movie come out yet? Well, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. It's definitely a different... I part of part of what I think makes a Top Gun a Top Gun is that everyone joins in or singing, and it and it becomes it's 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 less it's less embarrassment and more kind of scary. Yeah, (laughs) I think a Top Gun ultimately has to be really frightening for the intended target. It's like a group of men in a public place gaslighting a woman with song. Yeah, that's a Top Gun. She can't say no. This is they put her on the spot. This is more like a Ten Things I Hate About You, which again hadn't been established, but like it's a I'm going to embarrass myself for the sake of of you feeling maybe a little more comfortable with Flash Mob. It's a, a flash. Gesture. It's a single person flash mob. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's it's anything flash sad, at that point, it's just a flash mob. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I don't know if you read this, Tim, but I saw that it was originally supposed to be Mickey singing this to Haley, and it was supposed to be "I Will Always Love You." I did not see that. Interesting. Oh, okay. Interesting. Again, who knows how, how accurate any of this so is. You got to change it in the script. On the day of, they said, Jerry, <laughs> I hope you know some lyrics. <laughs> Sing something. Yeah. Interesting. I think I love you. Which, by the way, it's credited to the punk band, the punk version of this, which I was like, that seems weird that they credited to that, because which they end up playing at the end of this movie, because mm-hmm. that makes sense there. But right here, I'm like, there's another version of I think I love you, which is the classic song. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Then Derek gives his Greek letters to Sydney. The music here that plays reminds me of Baywatch for some reason. Uh, Tori Spelling is cast to play Sydney, and David Schwimmer plays Dewey. Uh, Which I love, love, love. Oh, right. And we get a recreation for the first screen where Luke Wilson plays Billy, and Luke <laughs> Which Wilson is also great. He's so good. it up. Which I <laughs> yeah, love this. Hair. I love this because the idea is that someone knew about that scene. It was a, it was a quiet moment that transpired between Sydney and Billy, but somehow someone someone knew every line that they spoke unless, to one another. I you know we talked about this yesterday, but unless there was like a police report after where they asked Sydney like, well, what interactions did you have with Billy in the days mm, leading awesome. up? And she said, well, I was at the school and at the exact and he said this and I said this exactly, <laughs> and he made me feel really shitty about not wanting to have sex and yeah, yeah. he was super greasy at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, can we also talk about how well they did to cast Jerry O'Connell as the new boyfriend? Because you, because he's still 
a handsome nineties guy, but Skeet Ulrich is such a filthy He's clean cut. He's clean cut. Yeah, Skeet Ulrich yeah. is such a filthy like they basically look like the same coin, but one is the scratched like up two faced yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh Randy and Dewey sit down to get some thirty one flavors and man, I'll tell you what right now. Come on, Tim. What are you doing this weekend? Let's go get some thirty. Get some gold medal ribbon. Baskin Robbins. There. (laughs) They they said, "Hey, meet me at Baskin Robbins." (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Randy goes through the rules of a sequel. He says, "Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, the death scenes are always much more elaborate, more blood, more gore. And number three, and then Dewey interrupts him. He just wants to find the killer. So off." They go through the suspect list and they realize here are the suspects of this movie so far. Derek, Mickey, Randy, Dewey, Haley, Aunt Jackie, Gil Weathers, and maybe Sydney. Who knows? Everyone is a suspect. Joel tries to back I gotta out. gotta say, with all that setup, this is kind of like my disappointment with the movie. I feel like this doesn't live up to those like rules that well. Like, I don't mm-hmm. actually know if the kill counts higher or whatever, but I don't think that the kills in this one are more memorable or bigger Mm-mm. with the exception of maybe the first, like the theater one. But like, the theater no one doesn't hold a, door kill. Exactly. And, and the theater doesn't hold a candle to the opening of the first movie, yeah. you know? So it's like, yeah, yeah it's kind of interesting. I mean, again, the theater one's memorable, but not for the right reasons. It's memorable because it got parodied. And that's the yeah. thing I remember. Remember? Yeah. yeah. The penis. Yeah. Well, is, I'm is talking about memorable. the her death in the. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one I don't remember at all. I can, in fact, when I got into this, I was like, does Jada Pinkett die in this or not? And then she dies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I guess she does uh let's see over on the in the news play area joel tries to quit on account of what happened to kenny but gail tells him to cowboy up uh sydney tries to quit the school play but the bad guy from time bandits tells her he's like you gotta use that use that energy and also i don't have an understudy for this and it's like well maybe you should do your fucking job right professor McGillicuddy or whatever your name is uh so they start rehearsing and then they proceed to rehearse what is the most elaborate play that has ever been put on at a at a collegiate level it is it is my god the amount of money that they spent to just rehearse this one scene is extravagant (laughs) it it blows my mind i also love that this that this very pretentious director thought that it was a good idea to also just have a score run it like i normally when you're performing a play you don't rely on a backing track to really catch the tone of the scene but they do and uh and it's it's a thing for sure do you think that that he knew that he was gonna be in titanic which is also referenced in this movie when he filmed (laughs) this maybe if i do this i'll get the part he's like he's like (laughs) i got two big ones come out the same weekend and then they went "Uh (laughs) uh-oh man that guy crushed it this summer right he made some residuals that year uh james cameron Uh, please don't hold this against me i the views uh, in that film do not reflect how i feel about this one Uh, of course, the scene they're rehearsing right now is everyone stabbing her and uh, in and amongst all the fray and all the craziness and chaos, she spots Ghostface and then she starts to freak out and he's got a real knife. She's like, ah, so she bolts. Uh, and again, guess we should have had an understudy, I guess, is the message of this scene. Derek comes and Sydney tells him she needs to be alone. She needs some distance and basically breaks up with him a little bit here and he's like, all right. And then Gail goes through the, uh, the patterns of what's happening so far with Dewey and Randy so they can try and get ahead of what the killer uh, and and or ahead of the killer, and Joel's like, I just don't want any part of this. And at this point, I'm like, proud of you, Joel. Proud of you. Mm-hmm. Stand up for this because yeah. you are definitely gonna die. Like, you haven't had enough screen time to make it through the end of this thing. Uh, and then Ghostface calls and Randy answers. So Galen and Dewey run around like idiots looking for someone on the cell phone. And this scene Love is it. comically bad and oh incredibly entertaining. The, 
the people that they identify as like it's it's I get it it's anyone with a phone but it's like you know it's like uh, a young woman having uh, a picnic with, with her friends uh, her friends and then like it's you know like it's just like the least yeah, they're suspicious guy hiding in the shadows in the trench coat the, the only one is the one that dewey goes at nine o'clock and then gail goes my nine o'clock or your nine o'clock and then dewey with a lot of tone goes your nine o'clock and i'm like well how would i know you're an idiot <laughs> yeah again this is the guy that got lost in grass yeah uh randy talks a lot of shit about billy loomis and then immediately gets dragged into the news van and stabbed to death uh, while a random group of uh, people playing really loud hip-hop music on a boombox walk oh, yeah. by conveniently to cover up the sounds <laughs> of your like, brutal murder. 90s. Tim, you don't understand because you were barely a zygote in the 90s, but we, uh-huh. me and James did this shit all uh-huh. the time. We would just get together and be like, did you bring the boombox? I'm like, I brought a boombox. Well, I got what? a kaboom we got two boomboxes now. Yeah, we're yeah, going to play yeah. the same song. Yeah, yeah, the boom. Boom. Like, Mr. Boombastic. You want to walk and dance? Do I ever? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Randy, who saw this coming, right? Not this me. was this is the standout. In my opinion, this is a standout plot point from Scream Two. Is that they were like, Randy's, we're getting Randy. You know, like he was a survivor, but Randy, and it's just like kind of no like no one a is safe. Step. No one is yeah. safe except for everyone else. Yes. Like, <laughs> but I, then, I would have much preferred they kept Randy. Like Sydney, I can do without Randy though. Like, like I love that he's well, the rules guy. Yeah, but we get we're not done with Randy. That's what I. This is what makes the third one so just such a delightful Ooh. cartoon. Is that there you go? Yeah. Uh, so Sydney gets an instant message from someone in the library telling her she's gonna die, and the police uh, escort tell her, "Hey, don't worry about it, Sydney. It's probably a joke." To which I would turn around and be like, it's most Excuse definitely you? not yeah. a fucking joke. Like, <laughs> who are these, you assholes? These two police escorts are are maybe my favorites. They're like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Idiots. And we get to the scene later in the library. Mm. Which uh, you can truly see their incompetence on display. Yeah, it's a delight. looking at everyone's computer. Like, What's on your computer? Well, okay, they basically yeah. take her and they put it. If we can get to it, we want to get to it. We'll get to we it. Get... Yeah. So we, we get okay. to the part with Cotton, of course. Cotton, where he pops around the corner. He's like, can I have a word mm-hmm. with you? And she's like, no, absolutely not. Like, I'm being hunted by a madman. And he's like, okay, we got a Diane Sawyer interview. This is a huge opportunity. And she's like, I don't want to do this. And then Cotton gets very aggressive with her. And so, mm-hmm. so much for him being a nice guy. guy. You were wrong, Nick, from Act 1. Uh, the cops arrest him and take him to the captain. Oh, you want to talk about the scene here in the library? I was going to talk about the library a little bit because they, one of the guys, her, she gets that message. Number two, she doesn't know how to work a computer. <laughs> she's like, she's like, she's like, there's like a point where she goes like, hey, what is this? And then the person sitting next to her is like, that's a screen. Like, like, like she like <laughs> asks like the dumbest That's question. But in the first door. movie, she knew how to call nine one one using the internet. So like something mm. happened. She just, I think the the trauma or whatever. She really yeah, lost traction. But either way, when things go off the go off the wall, her two bodyguards, one of them like immediately starts hunting around, and then the other one says, "Here, wait by this uh, emergency exit access wall where you can totally be surprised from behind. In fact, there may be someone in the stairwell right now. I'm going to run off in this direction. And then while she's being harassed, no one returns until he literally like shouts in the library. And then all of a sudden they're on him. And they're like, we got him. We got the guy. Yeah. I did this the best. They're the best. Hilarious. Uh, let's see. 
the cops arrest him and take him to the captain who tells him, you got to watch your mouth, buddy, uh, as right outside Sydney, Haley, and Dewey watch him get interrogated, which seems kind of awkward and maybe unprofessional. Everyone mm-hmm. is super bummed about Randy, and Cotton gives Gail uh, the what for about all, the, all how he's just been mistreated. Uh, they decide, of course, to take Sydney to a safe place while also implementing a campus-wide curfew. Uh, which I didn't catch the first time. And I was like, that explains why there's literally no one on the campus past like five o'clock in the afternoon. But I get it. Uh, everyone is, uh, let's see, uh, Gail leaves the police station and uh, the other reporters rush her for the first time. And now she's become the story, which Tim, of course, you'll know from our journalist backgrounds, never become the story. Always mm-hmm. report on the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells Aunt Jackie to back off uh, now that she's on the other side of it. And she's like, I feel bad. I just want to find this fucker. And Dewey's all like, uh, you had me at this fucker. Let's go. We're back in. I, 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 I'm I, back in with you. Also, Joel quit. And good for you, Joel. You were totally going to die. Uh, Gail gets the bright idea to go through all of Joel's cr- uh, crowd footage. This is, you want to talk about convenient writing here? Yeah. He drops his camera back. He's like, I'm done with this shit. Because mm-hmm. I know if I hang out with, until act three, I'm getting stabbed with a fucking ear. And he's like, I'm, I'm leaving. And, and then Dewey's like, what's in that bag? And she goes, oh, it's Joel's camera and all of the crowd footage that he had from crowd all of the stuff, like all the B-roll of crowds. <laughs> Whatever. Let's go take that. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, Gail, uh, they go, they find a VCR uh, as the Broken Arrow theme plays once again. Tim, of course, you remember when I referenced that earlier and James brought it up. Uh, Gail apologizes to Julie for hurting him and they almost start banging on the teacher's desk. Uh, But it's interrupted when a bunch of the other TVs come on uh, and show some other behind the scenes footage that they've never seen before because it's taken from the killer. Mm-hmm. And the final TV shows them in that same spot in that classroom. And he's like, oh, my God, Ghostface is here. He's looking. He's watching us right now. I will go find him. And Gail's like, don't go. The two of us are no match for these people. They've they've killed lots of people. Uh, Dewey goes to investigate, but no one's there. Uh, and then Ghostface just randomly pops up behind Gail. And I'll tell you what. Dumb blocking scared the shit out of me. Oh, really? Gotcha. There's two big scares in this that actually got me. It's when and Randy gets pulled into the van that scared me, and then this one I was like, "Ah, okay, you got me on that one." I will say at the beginning with Sarah Michelle Gellar in the sorority house when the other girl pops up, that scared me a little bit. Got a little, got a little jumpy. I think Randy getting pulled in the van was the only one that jumped me. I I really love how when Ghostface attacks uh, Gale, Gale dives she dives across a desk she and then she grabs immediately grabs a weapon she's like like tactical dewey comes out from the top and without anyone (laughs) doing anything to him at all trips and stumbles down the stairs (laughs) not pushed nothing no trap left behind he just incompetently falls down the stairs love it dewey tell us again about how this is a calculated character that you (laughs) faster to fall uh let's see uh oh gail gets chased into the music room and hides out one of the sound booths and then uh, dewey comes in but she can't hear him and then who who's thinking up behind you oh ghost face and then gail has to watch as the love of her life is stabbed to death right in front of her and she can't do a dang thing about her uh the killer tries to blow through the glass but when he realizes he can't the ghost we're waiting a long time to use that one tim great uh, great thank you for it Derek says bye to Sydney so the cops can take her and Haley away to their super secret hideout and then gets kidnapped by his Greek brothers for giving up his letters. And I was like, I don't know if this is a situation you want to willingly put yourself into, but hey, mm-hmm. whatever. They tie him up to that Zeus set piece in the theater and start pouring cold beers down his boxers. 
Which, again, uh, with the budget for that theater department, I don't think they'd be very happy with what's transpiring. Well, it's like, how do you get into the theater? Are these doors just unlocked in whatever this town is? Like, I guess so. This is a government building. Yeah. Uh, the car carrying Sydney and Haley gets very easily taken over by Ghostface, who very quickly kills both cops, even though one of them had an, an easy shot. Uh, and he's like, get out of the car, dude. And it's like, what? Just shoot him. Like, what the yeah. fuck are you? Just shoot him. Like, yeah. the guy just killed your partner. You saw that. You have probable cause to shoot this guy dead. Uh, but instead, he gets run over and gets a metal spike driven through his face. Which I do love that, you know, he's got his face smashed in, but his last axe is trying to pull that trigger. Guns, <laughs> yeah. I mean, guns not pointing anywhere near him. Yeah. Uh, but God bless him, you know? Yep. Most would have just waited, wasted a shot. Uh, Sydney and Haley are now trapped in the back seat of, and this is one of those things where I'd have been like this. I'm sorry, you want to tr- you want to escort me in the back of this cop car and I can't get out of the back seat? Mm-hmm. And That's how they like, work, yeah. though. And I'd have been like, go get a different car. I'm we'll not. Say, or well, I'm, with, I'm riding in the front seat. That's what With I'm you, saying. Nick, it's not an escort. <laughs> <With> that's just <laughs> what they tell you <laughs> they're like sir you don't have a choice you're just <laughs> like, under arrest yeah. you said a lot of crazy things on the internet right now we're gonna have to take you in uh, City notices a small hole uh, uh, in the dividing grate and then they peel it back and then I love this scene it's all worth it for this they have don't to one by one climb over Ghostface and when she hits the horn I'm like Ew. that also got me it does. now at this point, I'm just gonna give everyone a little piece of advice if you're trapped in the car with this with with a killer, sit on his lap and just strangle him with the. I was gonna say, you, what you do is she she reaches, she's like, oh, I need to figure out who it is, and slow and steady starts Hold reaching off. for the mask, reach for the mask. You here's how you figure out how it is. You get in the back of the car, you grab onto the handles thing, and you bash the person's face yeah. with your foot, yeah. smashing mm-hmm. it into the glass as much as possible, and then when the blood seeps through the mask, then you take it off and you go, it looks yeah. like, and then there you go. Just blood you go. force trauma to the head. Yeah. Like, well, and you know what, James? If you can't figure out what it looks, who the person is, because his face is just a fucking bloody pulp of a mess, that's what fingerprints are for. Maybe it's Craig, or what, what's his name from the beginning that made the call. <laughs> uh, let's see. Love it. Haley ends up making it out, but then Sydney realizes, uh-uh. I got to go back. I got to figure out how this guy is. I can end this right now. But when she goes, and Haley's like, don't do it. Let's just get the hell out of here. And she's like, no, I have to end this. Of course, when she goes back, no one's in the car. And the blocking here could not telegraph this more. I know. It is a wide shot with Haley standing just close enough to a stack of wood to be like, he's behind the fucking wood for sure. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he, of course, is. Um, uh, let's see. He jumps up behind the wood, stabs Haley in the chest a bunch of times. Uh, Gail, over on the other side of uh, campus, runs into Cotton, whose hands are all bloody with Dewey. So she runs away. Uh, Gail runs right into Aunt Jackie and tells her that the killer is Cotton Weary. And she seems very, oh, no, I'm very surprised by this news. And then Sydney runs back through the campus and hears the music playing in the theater. So naturally, when you're in a high-stress situation, you go, I'm going to run toward the music that's happening in the theater, even though I know I shouldn't be on right now, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly, this is a trap, but I'll go toward it because there might be people <laughs> in there. Uh, and then Derek falls from the from the rafters, unconscious. Uh, but before Sydney can untie him, Mickey pops up and reveals himself to be the killer. And he tells Sydney, he's like, don't untie him because he's my partner. And uh, we, he's like, you don't know who to trust. And she's like, oh, no. And he's like, no, Sydney. Oh, no. It's not, it's, I, I'm not the partner. My, these are my fraternity brothers tied me up like this and wrote on me with lipstick. And none of this at all registers as weird. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, Mickey shoots him through the heart. 
And that's well, this, settled. Thank God that's th settled. This scene telegraphs a lot of Among Us games that would come several several <laughs> decades later, where where Mickey pops up and he goes, "Where were you, man? I thought like we were gonna like." Where have you been all night? And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell gets immediately defensive. And then, and then his art, like, he doesn't, he isn't able to make a case for himself because he's so pissed off that he's getting yeah. thrown under the bus. Yeah. He's just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's not, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's just the like, you know me real. argument, which is like the yeah. least actually helpful yeah. argument. I'm yeah. like, that's not really how this works. And luckily he dies knowing that Sid thought he was the killer. <laughs> uh, Mickey, of course, uh, starts laying it all out here. He's like, I, I'm a sick fuck, and I just want to get caught. I'm going to blame it all on the movies. Uh, and Cindy's like, cool, while you're doing that, I'm going to unlace Derek's uh, Greek letter necklace and then cut your face off with it. And then they just get it on. They start tussling, and she beats his ass and gets the better of him. But uh, it's all for naught because uh, Mickey has a gun and a knife. So he, he's holding all the cards here, as they say to him. Uh, Derek's dead body ascends back to the rafters, and he's like, ooh, who could be doing that? Surprise cameo. The other killer guys? None other than Aunt this Jackie. This is Loomis. Well, first of all, <laughs> first Gail walks through. Oh, right. like, oh yeah. shit. And then, but then a, a second later. Yeah, and then a second later. And she says, she's like, who are you? And she's like, that's not, that's not Aunt Jackie. It's Mrs. Loomis, Billy's mother. And then... Almost as if you didn't need it. Because <laughs> we didn't. Because Absolutely we didn't. Not. Yeah. She goes, Gail has to, like someone somewhere was like, wait, yeah. Gail, surely you Gail would, throughout all of her, like, you know, uh, research this thing, would yeah. have probably seen a picture of Mrs. Loomis at some point, right? And yeah. so she goes, well, that's not Mrs. Loomis. I've seen a picture of her. And Nev Campbell goes, well, yeah, maybe 60 pounds ago. And a lot of work. Like, their work done. Very, like, very dismissive and a weird, like, passive aggressiveness, too, from Sydney look, at this, this scene. This movie is full of one liners to explain things away. And this is another <laughs> one of those. <laughs> You're right. Uh, of course, she is Debbie Loomis. Uh, I think I think that's her real name. It's Debbie, Debbie Salt. Debbie, I'll just call her Deb. Recruited Mickey because of his background in serial killing. But he's she's not so keen on a trial and all that stuff. So she just blows him away. And then she tries to shoot Gail, who like dives off into the orchestra pit. And then she's like, Mickey was out of his mind. But a Debbie is very sane. Her motivation is good old-fashioned revenge. The best part, she's going to blame it all on Mickey and get away scot-free. And I'm like, I don't know if that's how forensics work, but whatever. Uh, she pulls the old, isn't Mickey supposed to be dead trick? She's like, look, it's Mickey. And then fucking dumbass Deb falls for it. And then uh, and then we get the weirdest scene where uh, Debbie gets buried under scenery. She starts fighting her yeah, with scenery. Yeah, she fights her with scenery. And it's <laughs> weird. And then Deb gets buried under the scenery, but you're like, they don't actually make... And Tim, I know that you, you've never been to the theater. So never. let me explain to you how Not set pieces theater. are made. They don't actually make real bricks out of real bricks. Mm -hmm. Those would have been very light styrofoam bricks. Maybe they would have hurt, but I don't know if they would have knocked you out. Who knows? Yeah. I, this is another just letdown for me in this movie is like if you're going to use uh, a set piece as tropey as a literal theater set – for a horror movie in particular, like maybe I've just been spoiled over the years and stuff, but like do something cool and unique with it. I feel like this really just didn't. It's just yeah. like it is what it is. There was no like fun elements of like the play happening while things are happening, or whatever. It's like they they like kind of just did too much at the beginning of this movie that by the time we get here, I was expecting them with some shock and awe, but nah, didn't get yeah. it. And Mrs. It's Loomis pretty incompetent too. When you compare <laughs> when you compare her battle with Mrs. Loomis to her battle with uh, Billy, you know, it's just yeah. not, it doesn't even it doesn't even match up. 
Yeah, and there's a lot more fun missing from this one than there was with the yeah. Matthew Lillard. Like, you're missing yeah. that kind of aspect from this yeah. final yeah. scene. Uh, of course, Sid makes her way toward the exit, and Deb pounces on her like Cheetah from Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, they yes. tussle, and Cotton interrupts with a gun, and a standoff ensues. And Deb's like, listen, talk a little sense into you here, Cotton. Just let me kill her. Uh, she sent you to prison for a year. Personally, I think it's rather poetic. And Cotton's like, well, oh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. Let's let's take a second here and try to figure this out. Quite the predicament. And then uh, he's like, I bet you wish, I bet you did that, you, you wish you'd agree to do that Diane Sawyer interview right now, right? Looking pretty good right now, isn't it? And then without skipping a beat, Nev Campbell's like, consider it done. And Cotton's like, cool. And then he plugs her in the chest. And I'm like, this scene, I w- like Cotton's still very much, now going to jail, right? He's like, a scumbag. He, he could have revealed like a true, like, no, I'm not a killer kind yeah. of thing. But he was mm-hmm. like, are you going to give me what I want or are we yeah, going to kill you? Right. <laughs> Which is weird. Um, let's see. Sydney gets the gun away from Cotton. And Gail comes back uh, to life uh, for one more scare. Of course, they're, they're looking at Deb and they're like, is she dead? And they always come back. And then Mickey pops up in the back and he screams like a goddamn Muppet when they're running. He does one of these. Like, ah! <laughs> and then so they yeah. just plug him away. And then uh, this is the one thing I really respect about this movie. Sydney looks over at Deb and goes, you know what? And then just boom, puts one yeah, through right her, her eyes just for good measure. Yeah. Or I yeah. should. Put her down. Just in case. Yeah. That's exactly what I would do in one of these situations. I'd be like, are we done? Do we kill everyone? Cool. You guys go get some Starbucks. I'm going to one by one go through all the bodies and shoot them in the fucking forehead. Just mm-hmm. in case two things happen. One, we get one more scare. Or two, they turn into zombies. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or a sequel. Uh, exactly. Gail, uh, outside as the cops have all arrived and everything's happening. We've got some time here. And then Gail gets patched up by an EMT and Joel comes back to get the scoop. He's like, you were right the whole time. I should have stuck around. She's like, yeah, too little, too late, fucking buddy. But guess what? Who should be coming out of that theater alive? It's Dewey. He's still alive. And Gail's like, you know what, Joe? I've had enough of your shit, Joel. I'm going with the love of my life. And she throws in with him in the back. One of my favorite things here is they got Dewey coming in the stretcher and you think like, how did this guy survive this? So of course they have to have a, one of the paramedics ADR line in where he goes, oh my, the, the knives must have hit some of the scar tissue we had. He got stabbed <laughs> in the exact same spot <laughs> as last time. But I, I just love that the movie was like, we have to, we have to explain. Yeah, <laughs> which they didn't explain last time how Dewey no. survived. They just got no. stabbed in the back. Totally, I, I love all of it, and just the emphasis on Dewey and uh, and uh, Courtney Cox is a little weird to me. Where like I get that they're main characters, but like the movie ends with them in a way that like Sydney just feels like she's just to James's point earlier, kind of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's yeah. just kind of the reason things are happening. But it's weird because she is the main character, and like well, the the main plot is her, and then the movie ends with. Her not really being a part of it. Yeah, she well, walks off into the grass looking like a sim. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> she's like, a background <laughs> character. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to your point, she doesn't really have a character arc, right? But I, I like the this ending because it is Gail's character. Like, it, that's and that's Cotton. the end of her and arc. It does. Cotton's your real hero. It does set up Scream Three more than anything, mm-hmm. and where Sid Sydney's at in that one. But uh, of course, the recorders uh, crowd around Sydney and they ask her what happened, and she's like, "You know what? Why don't you ask Cotton? He's the one who really saved the day." Um, which I think, in my, in my opinion, you should get her out of the Diane Sawyer interview for sure. Um, yeah. And everyone's like, God, what happened? He's like, well, you know what? There's a prize for everything. And I'm like, this guy's a fucking scumbag. And then <laughs> the camera cranes out and another really bad 90s song plays. Love that it. It sounds like yeah, the yeah. they watch. Oh, yeah. so, somewhere out there, there was some woman that was getting so much work doing like choral singing on top of 90s beats. 
And and for oh, for God. like three years, it was just money every day, and then it just stopped. <laughs> I, another thing I love is that when when she says Cotton's the one you want to talk to, he looks like he's a, he's walking about to get into the back of the cop car, like he's yeah. like. This is how it turns out for old cotton every yeah. time. Yeah. You know? He also gives he also gives her the like the like the nod. Thank you nod, which is great because he just held her at gunpoint. Like he's like <laughs> it's like, "Hey, thanks for this." It's I like you, you killed me almost <laughs> now. I was legitimately weighing the options of killing mm-hmm. you for profit or letting you live, but thank yep. you. But thank you. Elise, please set us off with a little bit of that haiku and review. Seven. Seven. I was. I was thinking of Ragu back. Yeah. <laughs> Seven syllables in the middle. Got five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, don't need to fret it. Haikus are hard to rhyme. Don't need to rhyme. Haikus don't need to rhyme. <laughs> yeah. Interview. I, I think everybody probably misses the Andy video or. Whatever. Well, Randy no, would I tell mean... you that it's a different line yeah. at that point. Mm. But the thing is, anyone can be haiku and review, and you can make it your own. You make it your own. That's what mm-hmm. it is. Wait, James, did you just make a joke about getting Andy's name wrong as Randy because yep. it kind of rhymes? Because if so, genius. that is no. My... I was referencing Randy correcting the Joshua guy Jackson. about the uh, Joshua Jackson. Is layered, line. Everybody, that joke was oh yeah, getting real meta over here. There's a Andy lot there. Andy and I are we are like a Randy or like a you know Joshua Jackson and. Who's who? Don't tell me. Okay. <laughs> you can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your reviews in haiku form, just like Tice Thomason did. Picture, or sorry, picture show murders. Debbie pissed. Mickey convinced. Stop singing, Derek. Can't agree with that, Tice. Keep yeah. singing. I think we, we need more singing. singing. Uh, Madeline, aka Mad Exposure, writes in saying, CC who? I know. Buffy the Vampire Slayer would kick Ghostface ass. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is good true. Point, good point. And then Andrew Pfizer says, Vilified victim. Really, an upstanding man will stop their vile plan. Appreciate the rhymes. Appreciate the rhymes. And finally, Andrew Feisner once again coming in with a dock through the ear, maybe a knife in the head. I've seen it both ways. And then as an aside says, never forget scary movie killed a man with a dick. (laughs) (laughs) And I can assure you, none of us will ever, ever forget that. that. (laughs) We'll never Uh, forget that. And since you're so prepared for it, Elise, can you kick us off with some of that ragu bagu? I wasn't. uh, I was trying to remember how ragu bagu went. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't. What's up, everybody? Ragu. Welcome to Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys for the Scream universe right now. I'm so glad that Elise is here because it takes the pressure off of me from doing the theme songs. And it's hard, man. Andy does like Andy has it down to his signs and it's hard to really follow that. His songs like Broken Arrow. Number one on the list for Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys is Billy and Stu and peer pressure. Where do we want to put Debbie Salt and Mickey? (laughs) Mickey, Mickey, uh, serial killer. I honestly think that they are a significant step down in in every single way um, in in terms of the kills, in terms of the mystery, in terms of the fun, all of it. I feel like they're in number two. I do give them credit for till the very last minutes. You're still kind of questioning who it is, and that is fun. And I think that for this type of movie, that that is part of what the bad guys' roles are. So it's cool. But once the reveals happen, it's a little bit more like, eh, okay, than it is like, whoa, this is Mm -hmm. awesome. I would credit them with saying that the theatrics of kicking off the murder spree at the stab premiere 
are, are showing, you know, that's yes, excellent. Yeah. You can't write that. I think on paper, if you go in the first one, it's Billy Loomis because of this trauma he had related to an affair that Sid's mom had that was just referenced offhand or whatever. You don't even really think about. Um, and then and then this dweeb. And then you say, and in the next one, it's his mom. That sounds cooler than yeah. it's actually executed in totally. this movie. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably because they make they need to hide her within the film, but they they make her such a like kind of a dweeb. And then he is like a little they're like, we met on a chat. I'm like, OK, that's not really that's just like kind of like a worse stew. You know? <laughs> like, and yeah. so, yeah, I agree. I agree. Stu and Billy just have so much fun banter back and forth. Yeah. And it's really hard to compete with that mm -hmm. in any sense of the way. So I think these All are right. a strong second. They're going to be number two on the list. And this is uh, Loomis and Mickey and Revenge. Number two. There it is. Mm -hmm. And now for ranking the Scream movies. Currently, number one is Scream 1. I would be surprised if anyone else would put, or if anyone would put uh, number two over number one. I definitely do not. Um, I think the Scream one is is better in, in every single way. Like, I don't think this one does anything better than the first. Um, still a fun time, despite not being a good movie. Joey? Yeah, I wouldn't put this above it. I will say that the one thing I think is fun is <clears throat> we get all the, like, stunt casting for Stab. And that's, like, mm -hmm. the the one, like, glimmering highlight of this uh, with like the Luke Wilson, I think it's just really fun mm -hmm. that one scene that he's in. But other than that, yeah, I think everything in movie in Scream One is better. Agree with Please. Joey. There's like those those moments, but uh, it, overall, like, I mean, you can't you can't touch Scream Scream One. Mm -hmm. I I agree. Again, we this is a transition film into the full camp that I think will be Scream Three. Yes. So I'm so excited. I uh, I have I, you seen Scream Three, June? I've seen bits and pieces, but like I don't remember what movies go with like what scenes yeah. that I've seen. I have not seen three. Okay. I can now, con having now watched two, I can confirm I have not seen three. I thought okay. the two was three. So, mm. all right. Good yeah. And then Nick, I assume. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a far second for sure. There I'm excited to watch three. I am very excited to watch three, uh, which we will do next week. Nope, that's not right. That's not right at all. We're going to do it soon. Stay tuned to the, the schedule and you'll understand it all. Joey always puts it up and it's clear to everybody. But I love you all. James and Lise, where can people find you? Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, James Willems. Elise Willems. Uh, you can also find us making pretty much daily content over at uh, YouTube.com slash Funhouse. And uh, and then also James Wilm stuff. And you can also find us, I believe, Patreon members of Kind of Funny. We have been invited <laughs> back for another Snowbike Mike movie night. Ooh, TBD, yeah, TBD yeah. date. Yeah. I, we're we're going to figure that out. Because sometime in the next few weeks, we're going to have the Willemses back to watch yeah, some fun. Yeah, so excited. Action. And one last one. If you want to, you can find us as characters in Psychonauts 2. I don't. I'm, yes. I don't have to promote the game, but I am choosing to promote the game. And then, yeah, <laughs> That's cool as hell. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, so with that, I have taken the time to look at our calendar, and I want to confirm for everybody out there what the next two weeks for in review schedule is. Uh, we just did this Scream Two later this week on Thursday. We will be doing uh, finishing Pixar in review with our review for soul and then next week we will be doing a double feature of screen to make up for last lost time so uh the episode that goes live for everyone on tuesday will be scream three and then the episode that goes live on friday will be scream four 
to take it all home. Uh, so thank you very much for your patience and understanding with all that stuff. But that is your homework for the next couple of weeks. Soul, Scream 3, Scream 4, boom. Till next time, love you all. Goodbye. Hi, everybody.